When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Ladies Who London podcast. I'm Emily Dell. And I'm Alex Lacey and we're qualified London Blue Badge tourist guides. Each week we bring to you some of the best bits of London. We talk about our... Oh, sorry. sorry. You, it's okay. <laughs> we talk about our favourite people, places and events with a bit of information, a lot of laughs and a whole lot of fun. We can be found on Instagram at Ladies Who London podcast and on our websites guideemily.com and alexlacy.com for information about our upcoming walking tours virtual tours as well as what the blue badge guiding qualification is all about hi emily hi alex how are we doing i'm really well thanks how are you i'm good i'm good i've had quite a quite a nice start to the week nice weekend good and we've only got one more week of lockdown so that's good i know what is it you're dying to do as soon as we get out of lockdown Oh, I don't, I don't go to the theatre, actually. Yeah. Oh, go nice. to the theatre. Absolutely. Yeah, First thing I want to do. <laughs> about yeah. you? Um, oh, do you know what? I really want to go for a swim. I really <gasps> want to go for a swim. And I think, um, I'm, or I'm hoping that swimming pools are going to be open again. So, yes, that's what I would love to do. Fantastic. So that, yeah. Oh, I love swimming. Yay. Yeah. Well, I hope everyone out there, um, you're all well and that you are staying positive, but testing negative. That's what it's all yeah. about. Um, and thank you so much for coming back this week and joining us again for another episode of Ladies Who London. Podcast Pedestal. So I think it's time, Alex. Um, I believe you have Judgment Day. Judgment yes. Day Podcast <laughs> Pedestal. So can you remind me what the options were last week? Yes, I can. So just to remind people, we were over in Mayfair and I was telling you about the fair in May. And our two options were Tiddy Dole, the gingerbread man, which was mm-hmm. your option. My choice, yeah. And do you remember what I went for? Uh, yeah, you went because you are, I mean, much darker than I ever knew. You are a really troubled child. Uh, you went for the execution of the puppets, which was really I sick. I did. But quite entertaining. And uh, I get my picture on Zoom, the red light on my microphone is. Um, casting upon my face and it is looking a, r- a bit um it does make you look really creepy rather evil um but i'm not i swear but yes execution of puppets was my choice 
Honestly, if, if there's just ever any possible gory thing, I, you're just going to angle towards it, aren't you? That's where you're going. <laughs> I'm there. I am there. <laughs> well, um, I have the results. And Emily never knows the results of, of this. So um, which way do you think it's gone? Well, I, I do know the results from my personal poll. Yeah. And I'm quite confident with that one. But I, I don't know. know. I don't know how yours went. Oh. She's always very confident with this. Always very confident. <laughs> she always thinks she's got the best option. Well, I have to tell you. So um, with the gingerbread man, Tiddy Doll, mm. uh, he came in with a very impressive 57 votes. <gasps> oh, that's good. That is oh, very good. That's got me a bit worried now. Yeah. Do you think, do you think it's tight or do you think... Oh, gosh. Um, well, I, I, I... It would seem that the listeners are as gory and horrible <gasps> as you because <Yay>! you <laughs> you got a smashing 88 votes 88 oh can you remind me what you got again but yeah all right 57 don't rub it in 57 <laughs> oh, that is absolutely brilliant guys you, massacre yeah. of wood yes i just love the fact that people are into the execution of puppets you are all sick and wrong <laughs> oh yes applaud yourselves pat yourselves on the back well, while you look at death and destruction, I'm going to go and sit in it with my gingerbread. So <laughs> who's the real winner here? <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Thank you very much, guys, for voting. So what's the what's the uh, score? So now it's for all. Oh, is it? Which means that probably, you know, next week you'll get get the win. So <laughs> hey, <I'm> ne- <laughs> yeah, you're such a gracious, gracious winner. You really are. <laughs> but I'm never it's never, you know four free to me or two three to me i don't know that that's true i think the first week you won the very first week i think oh actually yes that is true yeah. yes i need to wind my neck in yeah you do <laughs> <laughs> i mean well, i will I'm... always smash you but you know <laughs> well well let's see let's see hopefully the pattern that we've got going on at the moment will uh will soon break <laughs> swing back in my favor yeah no <gasps> <laughs> so at the end of last week um we span the wheel of destiny and it, it landed on crikey where did it land oh it landed in waterloo and i'm thrilled about that because it's my week this week and i want to talk about um two nurses florence nightingale possibly the most famous uh, of all the nurses mm-hmm. and uh, mary seacole who is my personal favorite she is amazing and the reason i picked two uh is just because I kind of don't feel that you can really talk about one without talking about the other. Um, they're both linked to the same place, which is St. Thomas's Hospital uh, in Waterloo. And, you know, Florence Nightingale is the name that everybody thinks of when they think of, uh, you know, nursing and the history of nursing. But Mary Seacole, well, she's getting a lot more press lately in the last 15 or so years. But before then, she was largely forgotten for ages. Mm. So, if, Emily, if I were to kind of say their names to you what do you have anything that kind of comes to mind what are your sort of immediate thoughts about these two well Florence Nightingale she has such an iconic image attached to her you know she's the lady with the lamp she's the woman that you know told us to wash our hands and she you know was incredibly intelligent when it comes to hygiene and space space yeah absolutely um so women that I guess put their careers and put people first beyond anything else Mm, yeah absolutely and do you know much about their stories and about where they were kind of nursing and and how they both came to 
to their new to their you know careers yeah i know more about florence nightingale i have been in the museum um, Mary Seacole, I know a little bit about, but I'm not too sure mm. about her background. Okay, so you mentioned the museum actually with Florence Nightingale, which is quite interesting because uh, this year, 2020, we are celebrating the 200th anniversary of Florence Nightingale's birth. Whoa. And this is what the museum has actually, well, obviously didn't quite work out the way they'd hoped, but this year was supposed to be, um, you know, really sort of. Uh, based around that 200th anniversary and when I, th- I think I believe they're going to reopen in a week or so when we um, come back out of lockdown so if they do then then do scoot by and have a look um, because Florence Nightingale is sort of the name really she was you know, a British nurse and, and social reformer um, above and beyond that and she is particularly well known for uh, nursing in the Crimean War mm. uh, but so was Mary Seacole and what's quite interesting is that often people will try and sort of do Florence Nightingale versus Mary Seacole, um, which is a bit of a shame because you often you don't you don't really tend to find that with men who are doing some similar things in the same area. Um, and in particular, actually, well, Mary Seacole and Florence Nightingale didn't really know each other very well. They they you know had very little contact, so actually pretty independent of each other. Um, so I always find it interesting that they want to kind of have a versus thing and and assume that women are always going to you know not get along, but they're very very different their backgrounds are incredibly different so if we start with Florence she um is British she is born in 1820 so 200th anniversary um and she's born into a very uh, pretty you know affluent family they are uh, kind of hanging out in elite social circles and you know if you think about it those kind of people really aren't that much up for getting their hands dirty in the world of nursing Mm. so it's you know when she says she wants to nurse her family are a bit kind of shocked really taken back yeah, very dirty. Uh, <laughs> and you know and she, she she's incredibly strong-willed and i think any woman in the victorian periods so we're talking 1800s um has to be very strong-willed and, and always quite kind of bloody-minded to get what they want because realistically it's not easy if a woman wants to do something she's either got to uh, you know, kind of go out there and forge it herself and and really not make that many friends doing it. Or she's got to take a sort of slightly watered down version of it that her husband uh, deems acceptable and society deems acceptable. So it's really quite interesting to hear about these women who are proper trailblazers. Mm. So, yeah, she, she um, you know, she didn't get on that. Well, she didn't get on. She got on with the mother, but they they butted heads quite a lot. You know, she saw her mother as quite controlling. Her mother was a real social climber. She sort of wanted the family to be, you know, keeping up with the Joneses and all of that. And Florence is kind of going, I, I don't really want to do that. I'm not mm. that bothered about all that. I want to go and help. I want to be uh, philanthropic. And, and she kind of does that very early on, actually. Um, by the time she's 16, she knows that that she's down to be a nurse. That's her thing, you know. Um, so actually what she also thinks is that it's her divine purpose that essentially God has sent her there to nurse. Now, in comparison, Mary Seacole is very, very different. She's she's not British. She is Jamaican mm-hmm. um, and she is very much, you know, she comes to it in a very different way. Her mother is the person that gets her into nursing. She's um, the daughter of a Scottish soldier and a Jamaican um, woman who's actually a hotel hotel owner. And so she gets her mother's business sense and her father's kind of wanderlust and wanting to get out and see the world and all that kind of thing. Mm. 
And when she's growing up, she's living in this hotel that her mother owns. And her mother is what they call a doctress. So this is um, Jamaican women who practice kind of Creole or Afro-Caribbean medicine. Okay. And so from very young, again, so that you see both of these women are really very, very young, finding kind of their, their nursing, their kind of nurturing thing because from the age of 12 she's helping her mum in the hotel um and this is when mary seacole actually comes over in uh, over to london in 1821 uh and she's aged 16 so she's about 15 years older than than um florence nightingale she comes over quite young she's invited over to sort of yes, spend the season young, isn't it? it really 16. is young uh, by herself or with her family no so she comes over on her own she's invited over by a relative um, and she gets into London and, and she immediately um, kind of falls in love with it, really. And she decides that she's sort of going to, again, like I said, she's got this business head on her from her mother. And she sort of develops this taste for business and for trade because she comes to the UK. Well, she, she sends back for loads of stuff from Jamaica, things like, you know, pickled and preserved food and loads of sort of really Jamaican products. Mm. And she then um, starts selling it over here. And she's, at, she's supposed oh. to be here for the season. She ends up here for four years wow. as a businesswoman. So she's actually coming at nursing from a slightly different angle. She's coming at it almost slightly from a business angle, which is really, really interesting. Mm. Now, do you know where she was selling her products? Um, it, in London, it, in the kind of, um, in, in the docks and that sort of thing, you know, she was, mm. uh, and anybody who, who would buy them really, uh, and she was doing very well for herself, actually. Um, and she went back to Jamaica mm-hmm. um, after four years, and she then started helping her mother with the hotel. Now, if we come back to Florence Nightingale, um, she, at the same time, has been having this sort of classical education. She can't really, you know, she can't, She's, she's from society. She's not going to be allowed to sort of swan off around the world and do whatever she fancies at the age of 16. Um, but she is sort of, you know, being given the, the classic kind of education with all the German and Italian and Latin and all that kind of stuff. But she um, is sort of got this sideline of, of helping people really and mm. knowing very young that that's what she wants to do. And so, um, of course, having given her this huge education and all the you know the money and the trappings and all that kind of thing when she tells them that she wants to be a nurse um i said they're not particularly happy about it but they go slightly further they actually forbid her from pursuing nursing yeah oh that's a little bit more serious isn't it um well i mean i know the end story so i guess she turned her back on that idea uh yeah very very much and in fact (laughs) what they want her to do um is they want her to go get married and they kind of put her up with um this chap called uh, richard monkton milners or oh. mills i don't quite know how you'd say that surname but um, i'm going with milners because that's how it's mm. spelled um and she they sort of said yeah hey we've got this dude he's a you know he's a pretty top dude <laughs> you think that's what they actually said yeah i think it's exactly Hello, word we for got word this dude um so uh, and they said you know we, we think you should marry him because they're expecting her as a society girl to marry marry big you know and that's it and and that's your future you're a wife and that kind of thing and she says no she says i'm not i'm not really down for it she says well you know i quite like him he's 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 pretty handsome i fancy mm. him i'm intellectually stimulated by him as well and kind of you know most people think brilliant go for it yeah. but she said that um her sort of moral and active nature requires something more than what he can offer and he's oh, she's gosh. not going to find it in 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 a life being a wife essentially and yes. so she says no, and she never gets married. 
Interesting. Wow. Well, I guess she, she becomes married to her work, doesn't she? Yeah, she does. And at the age of 24, she um, enrolls as a nursing student in Germany. Mm. So she's really kind of gone. I, you know, whatever you think I should be, I'm not going to be it. I'm not going to do that mm. at all. Um, and she's at nursing college for about six years. And then she comes back to London and starts nursing. Uh, well, actually just outside London in Middlesex. Um, which is a, and she, what I kind of love about this is that she's nursing in a, in a place that sort of still talks slightly to her pretty, uh, you know, privileged roots. She's nursing in a home uh, for retired uh, governesses. So, a, oh. you know, old, old, <laughs> basically, you know, private tutors, really, right, who are okay, old and so. ill. And that's where she's nursing. Wow. interesting and she's very very competent so within a matter of uh, a year she's mm. been promoted and uh, you know all that kind of thing and she is one of the things she has to contend with is a huge outbreak of cholera um and of course we now know that cholera comes from unsanitary conditions and this sort mm. of thing and she sort of realizes this and she says you know i, I think actually if we improve hygiene practices um then we're going to lower the death rate and that's what she does and she she made it her mission basically to improve that mm. um and she actually got sick and but did amazingly recover from it um before at that point you know when she becomes better the crimean war breaks out was she sick from cholera herself? i believe she was yeah i think she she was sick from cholera but amazingly she she pulled through and i think you know mm. her knowledge of how to get better is you know definitely instrumental in that mm. now if we go to mary seacole so this woman who's growing up in a very different situation um she does get married uh and she gets married to a white man interestingly okay. called edwin seacole which was quite scandalous because the society of course you've got to jamaica um obviously you know people from jamaica are predominantly uh black darker skinned but of course there's a lot of brits over there so there is a sort of element of british kind of upper society you've got all the white soldiers and all that kind of thing mm. so when they get married it's kind of scandalous because society was used to seeing black women being taken as a mistress by a white man but not married mm. so again you know this is really quite interesting and they set up a shop together, um, but it didn't really work. So they went back to the hotel where her mother was working. Um, and then there was a fire which destroyed the whole hotel um, and everything wow. in quite a large radius, actually. Then Edwin, her husband, dies and then her mother dies. So within a year, she's oh, kind of, gosh. you know, lost everything. So she um, goes to, uh, well, actually, no, while she's still in Jamaica, she also comes up against cholera. So both of these women are coming up against one of the biggest killers uh, at the time and as well like mary seacole she realizes um the importance of hygiene and cleanliness in combating mm. it uh, and again she also contracts cholera and recovers from it now her brother in the meantime has set up a hotel in panama and she thinks well you know what i've lost everything here and i've always had this urge to travel so she tootles off to panama to her brother and Can I ask, how old is mary around like what's uh, around this time yes she would have been about 45 ish at this period of time gosh okay so sort of yeah. yeah lost her mum lost her husband to basically go to panama and start essentially yeah. a new life start afresh really yeah. and one of the things that she'd done when she was um in jamaica with her mum and run this hotel is that she'd got to know loads of the soldiers quite well and so when she goes to panama she sets up um, a place there with her brother well he's sort of already got, got a bit of an enterprise and it's it's called the british hotel but it's it's actually more of a kind of dining hall and that sort of thing hmm. um and she over there she is also very well known for combating cholera 
And one of the things that happens is when she arrives, um, her brother is in a bit of trouble because um, she, her brother had been dining with a friend and he had dropped dead a couple of hours after they'd had dinner. And so, of course, all the locals thought that it was poison that he'd poisoned her or poisoned the guest mm. and mary turns up and she goes let me have a look at the body and she looks and she says i can tell you this is cholera wow. so actually she kind of helps her brother by going i know this i've, I've seen this yeah. and you've got this same problem of cholera there and actually what happens is the authorities um when she goes back to jamaica and the uh, and the authorities come to her they have a, a, a big yellow fever epidemic and all sorts of stuff and they come to her because they know that she is good with curing diseases like this and she understands it Wow. Which is amazing. Um, and especially, you know, this is not a woman who's had any kind of formal education, at least not definitely not anything like what Florence Nightingale will have had. Mm. And then she hears that war in the Crimea has broken out. Now, she hears that they have a desperate need for nurses and she knows that all of these chaps who are over in the Crimea are the same guys that she was uh, ministering to back in Jamaica and in Panama. So she mm. thinks, well, that's where I've got to go. So she sets off for England. Now, this is where Mary and Florence's paths cross slightly. Not very much, but slightly. So she comes to London. Um, she goes straight to the military headquarters and wants to speak to them about going over and nursing. And she talks to a whole variety of people. And, and basically, she's turned away so many times. And they say, no, nope, thank you. You know, we don't want any of that. Um, women shouldn't be at the front, all that kind of thing. And then someone says to her, look, Florence Nightingale has been asked to put together um, a corps of nurses to go over to the Crimea. Why don't you go and ask her and see if you can get on board with that? So she goes around there. And in fact, Mary Seacole is, as you can tell, a pretty amazing woman. She does not take things lying down. And she, instead of saying, oh yeah, no, I'll, I'll write a letter and see. She's like, well, I'm just going to go around there. I'm going mm -hmm. to find out where she is. I'm going to go around there. So that's what she does. Now, really sadly she's actually missed florence by about three days so to go back to florence when she um uh, finishes at this uh, well th this kind of this cholera outbreak finishes um that she's been looking you know looking after um the crimean war breaks out and loads and loads of soldiers are sent over there so um in the hospitals there are no female nurses at all and and the one thing that they had is that often nurses had quite a bad reputation uh, in the past. I don't, I don't entirely know why there was such a bad yeah. reputation, but the war office had kind of said, we're not going to hire any more really. But after a couple of battles, um, there was clearly, there was nowhere near enough um, medical care mm. and the country were kind of going, you, you have to do, you know, these chaps are going over there. They're fighting, they're dying. You've got to look after them afterwards. And so um, Florence Nightingale was asked directly from the secretary of war to put together a group of nurses to go and tend to the, the soldiers in the Crimea. So that's what she did. She got 34 nurses together wow. from a variety, actually quite interestingly, from a variety of different religious denominations. Which Do you is think quite, that was her personal choice? Um, I believe that she was given um, sort of freedom to, to kind of pick whoever she wanted, really. And, mm. and realistically, you know, it would be, make sense to do that. Um, so who knows? I don't know the exact details of, of whether or not she picked them herself. I know that within sort of amongst this organisation, she had a kind of little board of people who were helping select as well. So maybe that they, they helped select too. Okay. Um, and just a couple of days after she'd got them together, they, they sailed over to the Crimea. Um, so meanwhile, Mary Seacole back in London has gone up to this organisation and has said, you know, can I, uh, 
can I kind of come and be part of this? And so Florence Nightingale's gone, but there was an interview that she had with, with the organisers who were pretty formal and they were not very welcoming at all. And they, they kind of said, sorry, you're not our kind of person. And they said that they were full. And Mary Seacole's kind of thinking, you know, I've seen this a little bit before. I think there's a racist element here. Mm-hmm. She that is in on um, record as having said, if um, my skin were lighter, I, I don't think they really would have had a problem with me. Um, so she's quite aware of that fact. And, and we don't know for definite that that was the, you know, the thing behind it, but there's, it, there's a high likelihood that that's what it was there. So mm-hmm. there we go. So Mary Seacott thinks, well, stuff it, I'm going to go anyway. <laughs> So she well, manages... I was going to say, she comes across as, you know, a, a woman that just grabs anything that's, oh, you know, in front of her. She's I mean, in terms of moving woman. to London and then going back to Jamaica and then Panama and just taking any opportunity to help people. Yeah. And yeah. to miss Florence Nightingale by three days, because I guess, you know, if Florence Nightingale was still there and she asked to be part of it, then maybe Florence would have heard that and taken her on straight away. Maybe. We don't know. Um, there, yeah, we, potentially it would be lovely to think so. I don't know whether or not she would have come under that same thing of, of finding that a, a woman of colour was maybe not the kind of person that she wanted as well. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it, it, it's hard to say, but I would like to think that that, that might have been something that, um, that would have happened. Mm-hmm. So Mary thinks, well, stuff it, I'm going to go. Um, and she manages to get funding actually. Um, she heads over to the Crimea and she kind of does something slightly different because she's not a sort of an official nurse. She can't sort of go straight up to Florence Nightingale's, um, you know, battalion of of women and say, Oh, I'm here. I'm going to work. That's not going to fly. So she sets herself up as what she calls what's called a sutler. S-U-T-L-E-R and a sutler is someone who kind of follows the army and sells provisions to the troops so it could be anything from luxuries to essentials all sorts of stuff and so off she goes and immediately when she arrives in the Crimea she arrives at the port her cargo is being offloaded and she sees all of these men uh, these injured men waiting for transport home for their hospital transport and they're you know bloodied and bandaged and all sorts of she thinks well stuff this I'm getting on with it so she literally breaks open the crates when she's there and starts making tea and handing out bandages and all that kind of thing and immediately she is incredibly popular with mm. the the um uh, the troops as you can imagine um she was fantastically bold and I think that's one of the things that the the group in London weren't keen on um but it worked perfectly because when she's over there, she's like, well, I'm not going to sit here and do nothing. Mm. She gets stuck in. It's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. So meanwhile, Florence Nightingale is over um, in the Crimea and she gets to this place, um, a place called Scutari, which is the British hospital in Constantinople, not Istanbul. Um, And she arrives at this place, which is (laughs) like, they have really not, thought about it particularly well the hospital is built on top of a cesspool which you know is not uncommon because people need you need cesspools for the toilets and things like that but the cesspool actually was so overflowing and so in such bad nick that it was contaminating the water and it was contaminating the hospital as well and so patients were just lying in the um, corridors, you know, in really bad oh, situations. It's really, it's filth. It's filth. Yeah, absolute mm. filth. And you've got rats everywhere and all sorts mm. of stuff. And, and one of the things that they really end up running low on are all the kind of necessaries like bandages and soap and all that kind of thing. So the number of, of ill 
soldiers and wounded soldiers massively increases and you know the the dead the number of dead rises so you're getting typhoid and cholera and all this kind of thing and it's said that the death rate from illness was seven times higher the death rate from the actual war oh god so it gives you a sense of what, of she's up what it would have been like yeah. I, I remember reading that isambard kingdom brunel he was asked by florence nightingale to go over to crimea go over to renko i think and um and build a hospital there because yeah. of the very thing that you've just said he kind of was, uh, he was asked to build a sort of prefab hospital and as i understand it when he finally got the hospital there it was too late the, the war had finished but you know yes th- there was all this sort of thing and she you know she was pulling in favors left right and center mm. and so when she arrives at skatari she sees this awful hospital um she knows she's got her work cut out for her and she just sets to work so she gets um hundreds and hundreds of scrubbing brushes and she gets the the patients who are the least ill she gets them on board to kind of help scrub oh, really? the place from top <laughs> right. to, yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah i mean you know if you kind of, if you're not doing too badly get yeah. them out so get them to help so she's got Can you touch your toes yeah, right exactly. you're helping me off you go old. grab a loo brush we're going <laughs> um and that's what happens so they scrub the hospital from top to bottom um and she is kind of massively dedicated and this is the thing we see with both Florence Nightingale and Mary Seacole is their dedication mm. to these soldiers, these people that they don't know, really. Uh, and one thing that Florence Nightingale would do, and actually um, Mary Seacole did similarly, would go around um, the wards at night. And this is where Florence Nightingale gets her name, the lady with the lamp mm. because she'd go around with a lamp making her rounds and she'd go from patient to patient. And um, this is what the patients started to call her. One thing that she did as well is she would take around a little, um, well, actually it was a, uh, they've got it in the museum at the Guards Museum in London. It's a little chamber pot, but it's one that was made for a doll's house. So it looked like a little cup. And she'd take that round and she'd fill that with um, booze, so rum or something like that. And if there were soldiers that were in a particularly bad way or weren't going to make it through the night, she'd give them a little tot of that to kind of uh, oh. ease their pain a bit as well. Lovely. And she brings down the death rate by about two thirds wow just amazing um and one thing that she does as well is she contributes to um their well their stay really there um the quality of it by doing things like creating a kitchen where food could be cooked um you know for particular dietary requirements and things like that she got a laundry up and running which meant that the patients would have clean bed sheets and all that sort of thing she got a classroom going and a library so it gave them something to do as well and she realised, actually, that this was really helpful in, in getting people um, back up and running because, you know, mental stimulation and, and all that kind of thing gave them hope and gave them something to, you know, to sort of aim for, really. To get up for, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Wow. And so in comparison, Mary Seacole, actually, the story is very similar at this point. So she, again, I mean, she's doing it slightly differently in that she is a subtler, so she is, um, you know, providing goods she's selling goods to people but she would also go um into the hospitals and they they had a a, a, a nickname for her too she was um uh, she was called uh, mother seacole and they you know she kind of she said that oh that she called them her sons and this sort of thing which is really rather lovely mm-hmm. and she of course a lot of these these um illnesses that they're seeing she's come up against these already so she rather than being told actually you can't go up to the front or whatever she thinks stuff it she goes anyway so she basically just you know batters her way through and she gets to the front and she's the first woman into Sevastopol when it falls uh, during the war she goes straight in there with supplies and all this kind of thing so it's it's you know a huge amount 
of work that she's doing. So the, the story is very similar for the pair of them about what they're doing there. Mm-hmm. And because she's this sort of doctress, so she's, she's part kind of Creole medicine and part Western medicine, um, some army doctors are calling her a quack, uh, although actually what, what she's doing is she's saving them an awful lot of work. And she's coming under fire, she's on the front line. So while Mary Seacole um, is on the front line, Florence Nightingale is in the army hospital, which is back from the front line. Okay. So, you know, there's a, a difference in location there. And Mary Seacole's regularly under fire as well, all sorts of stuff. Now, when the war comes to an end, um, Florence Nightingale, um, she's there for about a year and a half at Scutari. And then when... Um, the war ends she goes back to England and goes back actually to her childhood home and the you know the response that she gets from people she's met you know with it's like a hero's welcome really mm. um she was quite humble actually she didn't really want too much of a fuss but she got it anyway uh, the queen met her queen victoria met her and they gave her an engraved brooch as well um, oh. and a prize of two hundred fifty thousand pounds from the british oh. government thank you very much yeah i know right not too bad mary seacole on the other hand um when the war ends she's got this shop this sort of sutler's shop and a lot of the soldiers who are coming to her regularly have put loads of stuff on credit and so when the war ends some of them come and pay their um their bill but a lot of them don't they just leave and so she's bankrupt and she comes back to england and she does not get the hero's welcome she does not get the two hundred fifty thousand pounds from the queen she doesn't get anything about she comes back and basically is completely uh, and utterly bankrupt she comes to live in uh, covent garden and in 1856, um, there was a, a letter that was published in The Guardian. And it talked about the fact that she was bankrupt and living in poverty. Mm. And they essentially said, you know, anybody out there who's reading this, I'm sure some of you will remember Mary Seacole and what she did for us and, you know, Mother Seacole and, and how important she was. And they started to write into the papers and with stories about how much she'd done for them and a fund was started for her um and they actually did a fundraiser 40,000 people attended it wow and it was amazing it was held in Kennington and they were able to then give her enough money to sort of you know live out her life really and she did publish an autobiography in 1857 mm. but it didn't actually well it became a bestseller um originally but then it sort of you know fell out of print a little bit mm. but history just hasn't treated her as kindly as it has treated Mary Seacole so Mary Seacole, as well as coming back and having that here as welcome and all of that as well, she was um, given a royal commission to look into the health of the army. And she employed leading statisticians and they kind of analysed, you know, mortality data and all that sort of thing to find out that actually how high the mortality was. This is where we get this seven times higher um, rate from is these sort of things. Um, and so they, they set about basically making uh, it all a lot better for the army um she also funds an establishment at st thomas's hospital which is uh, called the nightingale training school which is for nurses and you know poems and songs and plays and all sorts are written about her mm-hmm. uh, young women are kind of taking her lead they want to be like her um the upper classes even start sort of enrolling at this training school to be more like florence nightingale and nursing becomes an acceptable um profession up until then it had really not been it's it's so strange to think of nursing as 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 not being you know up there as as such a a top job to have yeah it's quite mad isn't it it? it's mad how necessary and you know when she came in so you heard about the the 
how awful it was in Scutari Hospital, but she mm. had to lay down rules for, for the nurses. And there were things like, you know, you mustn't be drunk on duty and all that kind mm. of thing. So there was, you know, there's a lot of work to be done. Yeah. And really sadly, she um, contracted something that was called Crimean fever, which was an illness that, um, when she was at Scutari, and she didn't recover from it fully. So by the time she's 38 years old, um, so we are talking um, the late 50s, so about when um, uh, we've got Mary Seacole publishing her autobiography and all this happening. This is when Mary, um, sorry, Florence Nightingale um, is uh, essentially homebound and bedridden. Um, and she was going to stay that way for the rest of her life. And she lived to 88 years of age. Gosh, so, that's good going, isn't it? I mean, in the 19th really century, that's, yeah, that's yeah. a hell of an age. And, but that didn't stop her. And she carried on working for improving healthcare and alleviating suffering in hospitals and all this sort of thing. So even all the way into her 80s, when she died in 1910, mm. um, she was, oh no, sorry, she died at, at 90 years of age. Um, she was still working, you know, she was still doing, but she was doing it from her bed, which is what she'd been in since she was 38 years of age. Wow. And when she turned 90, the king, was it? moved to a king then uh king george at uh, the fifth he gave her nope sorry king george yes king george the fifth no yes king george the fifth yes. <laughs> the newly appointed king george the fifth uh, <laughs> actually sent her a congratulatory message on her birthday oh wow yeah so you know but mary seacole as you say you know it's it's a very similar story but then mary seacole having a job which you know uh, if she was kind of delivering items to to the wounded and the soldiers to suddenly push herself even further into a job that would have required so much more of her time, so much more of her effort, so much more of her knowledge to do that without someone saying, can you do this? I think that shows um, such an incredible character. Yeah. She just felt that that's where her calling was. That's, that's where mm. she should be. Um, which is just an amazing sort of motivation to do that. It now, um, Mary Seacole, kind of dropped out of public consciousness for the best part of about 100 years um, and in 2004 uh, she was voted um, the greatest black Britain um, so just shortly before that some Caribbean nurses had come over from uh, Jamaica to to find her grave and she's buried in Kensal Rise uh, Cemetery um, and yeah but you know you, if you sort of said oh name me a famous British nurse you would say well Mary, uh, Florence Nightingale and more people now would say Mary Seacole um, That's which good, happy about. and because there's a statue as well, isn't there? Just yeah. outside, um, a statue that was hospital. put up a couple of years ago, which is beautiful. And she's sort of mm. striding out from the hospital with a kind of a cape on this nursing cape, and the wind sort of blowing it back. And mm. oh, it's a beautiful, beautiful. It really shows her sort of headstrong, kind of uh, the, yeah, the nature that she had of, of just I'm, I'm off, I'm doing it. Don't just try and stop so me. Driven. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Which, in fairness, they both shared. That's something they shared from yeah. very, very different backgrounds. Their sort of calling and their, their let's say, their, I guess, headline um, activities of, of the Crimean War were very, very similar. Not entirely, yeah. not, not identical, but they were very similar and coming up against similar things and both going for the right reasons as well. Mm, completely. So, wow. What a pair of women. What a pair of women. Absolutely. Is it when you hear stories like that, you do think... God, what bloody hell am I doing? <laughs> do you know what I mean? When you think, oh, like to have that much, like, because I feel like I'm quite a compassionate person, but on that level. Apart from all the death and gore. <laughs> yeah, apart from that. But, you're just like, kill, but, kill, kill. <laughs> but the drive, I think, and I think nurses in general, you know, you need to be a particular type of person. It's, it's yeah. incredible. It really is. 
is. Yeah. Hmm. Lovely. Maybe we, should, maybe we should do something else then. Maybe we should do something more worthy. <laughs> I think so. I'd be a rubbish nurse. I'm terrible. God, I would be as well. I would just be chatting. They'd be like, Emily, you've forgotten to give them the pill. Oh, I'd, I'd be throwing up every time I had to give an injection. It would be terrible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. So there we go. So that is the story of um, Mary Seacole and Florence Nightingale. Lovely. Two beautiful women. Absolutely. So podcast pedestal time, Alex. Yeah. What do you think you're going to go for? Uh, So I was was kind of thinking whilst you were talking and there was something that did jump out at me, which was Panama when Mary Seacole... um, was asked by her brother to go to Panama and I think it is there where she really started to show her skills to the right people to then push her forward to the Crimea interesting um, yeah so I think that that movement to Panama it's quite a crux point for her story yeah, yeah. I think so what about yourself well now it's interesting so i also wanted to go for something with mary seacole too um which makes me feel that we've we've sort of left florence nightingale aside well she's got a museum she's got multiple statues she can take it and i have to say i adore mary seacole so i'm I'm gonna go with something to do with mary seacole too Um, and what i'm actually gonna go for is the letter that was written to the paper by one of the guys who had heard that she was destitute and wanted to help and whilst that is not necessarily a crux point in the story of who she was and how she became who she was, I think it's the point at which she starts to receive a bit of the recognition that I think she deserves. Mm. So for me, that is, even though it's not a, a bit that, you know, creates who Mary Seacole is in essence, it's the, the bit that I think is, it starts that thing of, of, everybody realizing just how important she was mm. no i like it i feel like you're pulling at the heartstrings of our yeah. listeners there alex <laughs> never um, i should have got the collar or diphtheria because li- li- clearly <laughs> they, they love all the all the death and gore so <laughs> true um, no that's lovely that's really nice um yeah great so yeah. i'm going with panama and you're going with the letter i am so there we go those are your options for this week there everyone we fantastic choose wisely <laughs> <laughs> Fab. So before we get to uh, the Wheel of Destiny, uh, what have you got coming up? Have you got anything fun coming up? Yes. Well, so I've got a couple of Christmas virtual tours. So I have um, one that's going to be on the 8th and one on the 15th. And the tour is called Festive Traditions in London. Um, Yeah. And I just love all things Christmas. So we're going to be talking about Christmas hampers, mince pies, crackers. Um, Going to see the Christmas lights in London, but it will be virtual. So if people want to pour themselves mulled wine. um, (laughs) Always always and that's at seven o'clock on both of those days fantastic um all right well i've got um the next one in my four tour series which is coming up um which is going to be the secrets of the silver screen so it's some of the secrets behind um some of the biggest movies and tv shows that have been filmed in london uh followed by the week after which will be river rambles and that's uh, looking at london's history through the river thames and you can still if you want to get a full membership which means you can watch back the the two coming up and the two that have already happened um i'm also doing a christmas tour which will be on the 22nd of december and mine's a slightly different one mine is how london made christmas so Ooh. it's about all the things that, that kind of 
create the kind of classic Christmas that we know today and how they kind of how London basically is behind a lot of them and of course we are coming out of lockdown next week so I am running some uh, actual walking tours in person yeah <laughs> Um, starting with Harlots and Boards on the 12th of December, Blood and Guts in Smithfield on the 12th as well, Street Arts coming up, um, we've got a Slavery in the City, we've got a, a, a Wizarding Day Out, oh. Harry Potter fans, so that's, that's going to be a fun one. Um, and there's a whole variety, so go and have a little look um, and uh, yeah, and come on a, an actual walking tour in London, it would be great to see you. Yeah, lovely. The Wheel of Destiny. So it is time for the Wheel of Destiny. Time for the Wheel. <laughs> um, so it's going to be my pick this week. Isn't it is, it? yeah. Any? Uh, uh, have you got any thoughts anywhere you want to go? I mean, I am still kind of gunning for Greenwich. I'd really love to do Greenwich Park, to be honest, but... Yeah. Um, We'll see, you know, I'm, I, I, I quite like living dangerously as well. Like I like the fact that it lands on somewhere I'm not expecting. So Brilliant. it'll probably land on Greenwich now. Um, yeah. Right. I'm right. ready. Are you ready? I'm absolutely ready. All right. Off we okay. go. Off we go. Oh. Ooh, oh, okay. I was not expecting that. <laughs> Is it, is, it ha- is it somewhere we haven't written on the wheel? Is that why? <laughs> have you been doctoring yeah. the wheel? Is that? <laughs> well, the arrow's fallen off and it's just pointing oh. towards my foot. Right, so right. what I'm going to talk about is my toes. Um, <laughs> no, it, it has landed in Southwark. Ooh, okay. Which is quite a good one, actually. Yeah. I mean, you've got the, you know, the Globe Theatre. You've got the area of Borough, in the Borough of Southwark. Um bear baiting all that kind of thing yeah you've got the cathedral we've got yep, some Shakespearean yep, links cathedral. there as well got the market what do you fancy i'd quite like to do an event oh okay uh oh oh actually yes okay um you might have heard of the great fire of london in 1666 <laughs> yes that's but not have you heard <laughs> the great fire of southwark in 1212 no Right. Well, that's what it's going to be. Fantastic. Oh, I love it. It's, I love it. it's twelve twelve. It's, it's another memorable date. Clearly, yes, fires are all about 12. that. Twelve. Yes, and it was a, it was a biggie as well. So it's one that's definitely overshadowed by the Great Fire of sixteen sixty six. So hopefully, I will resurrect the twelve twelve fire situation. Well, I hope not. <laughs> resurrect it in words. Not yeah. Okay. That that'll do. We can handle that. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. The twelve twelve yeah. fire. Well, I don't know anything about that, so that's going to be a fun one brilliant amazing well thank you so much oh thanks alex yeah i enjoyed that today um thanks everyone for listening um again please like subscribe and rate the podcast it helps more people find us and we're keen for more people to find us um yeah we'd love that so please uh please head over to wherever you get your podcasts from and give us a little rating um and thanks again to Ben and Susie for our lovely uh, jingles, as ever. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you. And thank you so much for getting involved in the poll for the podcast. Yeah. Continue to do that because it's, it's, uh, it's really fun to see how many people are getting involved in that. So, yeah, thank you. And you can drop us a, an email, if you like, at ladieswholondon at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Or if you want to via uh, our Instagram, which is at Ladies Who London Podcast. Yay! Fab, we'll <laughs> see you all next week. See Stay you safe. next week, guys. Bye.